What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you in your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming the particular saint that God our Father desires for you and for all of us to be. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions per episode dealing with anything and everything from morality to Catholic spirituality to relationship advice, evangelization, dogma, catechesis. The list goes on and on and on. I will then sit with your questions. I will pray with them and I will hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to grow in your relationship with the Lord. However, I got to give a disclaimer. I'm not perfect. Therefore, every now and then my advice might not actually be good for you. Um, If that's the case, then I want to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow in holiness. However, if my advice is helpful, uh, then I want to give you the encouragement to lean into Jesus Christ so that if it's helpful but difficult, God could give you the graces that you need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. On today's show, we're going to discuss a topic that has been sent to me, a question that has been sent to me since the very beginning of this podcast, like literally since the day the podcast um, came out. I've gotten this question and I've not answered it, but today is finally the day we're going to talk about yoga. Uh, We're also going to talk about um, the devil and should we pray for him? Right. Like we all mess up. We all make mistakes. Uh, We pray for each other to have conversions. Can the devil have a conversion? Um, And we're going to discuss free will and whether or not Mary, who was full of grace, she was full of that grace, that grace. No devil. Did she have free will like the rest of us? Um, And so those are our topics. Um, And so if you want to comment on those topics for today or critique those topics for today or hit me up with new questions for future episodes, then shoot me an email at askfatherjosh at com. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. Uh, and, and finally, you can share us on your social media pages. That helps other people find out about the show. If the show has been a gift for you, potentially it could become a gift for them as well. Um, so uh, a few notes before we get into the glory story. My book, Pocket Guide to Adoration, is shipping now. So if you pre-ordered it, you should get it like ASAP. You can order it now at assistyourpress.com. Uh, the book is out. It's available. And so make sure you cop that book, Pocket Guide to Adoration, as well as Broken and Blessed. Um, also, shout out to my man, Jeff Cavins, who I just love so much. Uh, Jeff Cavins and my other buddy, Father Mike Schmitz, are hosting a young adult pilgrimage to the Holy Land in 2020. And so it's this June. You could join over 200 Catholic young adults in the Holy Land with Father Mike Schmitz, Jeff Cavins, Dr. Andrew Swaff, uh, Sarah Swafford, and Brother Isaiah from the CFRs, and Father Dominic Foster. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to deepen your faith by visiting the places where Jesus walked and spending time with other on-fire Catholics. So you can go to jeffcavens.com, click on the link on this episode's show notes as well. That can help you to find more information on that podcast. Crazy, crazy. I had a dream like last night about Jeff Cavens and Father Mike Schmitz. It was just like, that's weird. So I should probably call Father Mike and Jeff and check on them and see how they're doing because that's that's uh, I didn't remember I had a dream about them until you ever had that happen. Like you have a dream and then you forget about the dream until you like see something or talk to somebody, whatever. Anyways, 
in the dream. What happened in the dream? Yeah, it was weird. Anyways, it was cool. Okay, so the, that's that. All right. Um, also, Women's Life Center. Shout out to Women's Life Center in Baton Rouge. They hooked up Holy Rosary Catholic Church and the Phil Grace Cafe with a an ultrasound machine. And so I'm just so grateful for y'all. Uh, and speaking of Women's Life Center, they are currently looking for a developmental coordinator in the Baton Rouge office. So if you have gifts and talents with development tool coordinating stuff, then uh, look them up and, and reach out to them. So. Now, let's go ahead and uh, get into the glory story. Jesus, Jesus, I love you, man. Lent, Lent's about to come here, y'all, and uh, I was talking to my best friend last night about what we we're gonna do for Lent, and so, yeah, got some ideas. Not, not sure if I'm gonna give up the cream and the coffee though. So, <laughs> I love you, Jesus, but I don't know if you're calling me to that. So, uh, <laughs> so my glory story this week is twofold. One is I'm looking at it right now. I received a great gift from a monk who I asked to to do an original painting of these six African Americans on the path to sainthood. Sister Thea Bowman, Mother Mary Lange, Mother Andre DeLille, Julia Greeley, Father Augustus Tolton, and Pierre Toussaint. I have a devotion to these six African Americans who are on the path to um, sainthood here in America. Um, they have inspired me by their witness, by their prayer, by their love for the Blessed Sacrament by their fidelity to the church, even though they suffered so much because of members in the body of Christ in the Catholic Church throughout their lifetime, um, they they persevered in their relationship with Jesus, and um, they just inspired me so much. I have, I have some other pictures of them with me in the confessional, so they're looking over me whenever I am hearing people's sins and absolving them. Uh, but this monk, he did this original painting that I'm going to put on my Instagram pretty soon. Uh, it's one of the most beautiful pictures I've ever, I've ever seen in my life. So I asked him last year to do it for me, maybe last year, like in May. And uh, he, he finally finished it in February. And I am, uh, I mean, I could have been brought to tears. It's so beautiful. And so uh, I can't wait to share with all of you on my Instagram page. It is just looking at it has been just so inspirational and has reminded me that I'm called to be a saint as well. Like representation matters. You know, seeing saints that look like us matter. Whenever we see a saint that looks like us and that has a similar story that we have, that can inspire us to not settle for mediocrity, to not um to not give up, to not give up in our relationship with the Lord and to persevere in our walk toward eternity. And so I really hope and pray that as these men and women uh, become canonized saints, that many of our churches are named after them and that their portraits and that their stained glass windows and statues are put in our churches and in our schools and in our offices and in our chanceries so that more men and women, more people of color can begin to see ourselves represented in the body of Christ in heaven. So yeah, I'm super grateful for that gift of the painting, uh, but also um, there was a women's retreat that we hosted. We did a bunch of retreats, but we did a net retreat, high school retreat on Tuesday. I did a retreat for one of our parishes in my diocese uh, with some of my teammates also on Tuesday. So Tuesday was like nonstop retreat day. 
And then uh, we did a, I did a conference for the seminarians on Friday for Valentine's Day. It was great. And then we did a women's retreat on Saturday of this past week. And Sister Tracy Dugas spoke, uh, and my my ladies did everything. Like they put everything together, and it was so beautiful. It was so good. It was so powerful. So much healing, so much restoration happened um, in one day, in one day. And so I was super grateful for just all the ladies in my parish who just pour themselves out to help their sisters in Christ have profound encounters with Jesus. It was so beautiful. And also just really grateful for Sister Tracy. She's a daughter of St. Paul. I love their community, love their religious community. And her and I got to spend a lot of quality time together uh, as well. And that was, that was also just a great gift for my little priestly heart. So uh, so I'm grateful. A lot, a lot of great gifts happen. Uh, and Jesus is just spoiling me. So thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Uh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, oh. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into the feedback. My feedback today comes in from Anonymous. Anonymous writes this, Dear Father Josh, I love your show and you've inspired me to share my glory story. I participate in the women's jail ministry at my parish. Due to limited recreational meeting space at the jail, I'm only on the schedule one Sunday every three months for 30 to 45 minutes. I began to get discouraged and prayed for a sign to let me know whether I should continue or whether or not I was even making a difference. Go make a difference. You can make a difference. Go make a difference in the world. All right, so the following Saturday evening at Mass, a parishioner came up to me and asked me if I was a part of the jail ministry. He said his niece was in jail, and he wanted to know when the next time I would be visiting so he could tell her to attend the meeting. It just so happened that my scheduled time for sharing the gospel at the jail was the following week. I know God works in mysterious ways, and I laughingly decided that was his way of saying, here's your sign. God bless. Anonymous. Yeah, that, that is so cool how the Lord answers our prayers quickly at times whenever it's good for our sanctification. So thank you for going and visiting the jail and all of our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who were in jail. Some of the greatest saints were in jail and their walk toward eternity, including St. Paul, including St. Peter, uh, and including our Savior, Jesus Christ. So shout out to you and your beautiful ministry in the prison. Now, let's get into today's topic. I'm just going to start with the biggest one, the biggest topic probably for this show, the one that y'all been waiting for for over, how long has this show been going on? Two years now? Uh, dang. Or maybe more than two years? Two years? Two and a half years? This question is about yoga. Yoga has been like a question y'all keep asking me. And so finally, I'm going to answer it. So Joy writes this, Dear Father Josh, I thank the Lord for leading me to your podcast for I am learning a lot with regards to the beauty of our Catholic faith through the though late in the game. Uh, it's never too late. It's never too late, Joy. Uh, anyway, my question is about yoga. I've read a little bit about it that it seems from 
It's from another religion and it's called a practice. I'm currently attending classes at the gym for I find that among the many I have tried, it works for my aches and my stiffness. I consider it as a mindful stretching as opposed to a practice of philosophy it purports to be. My question is, am I violating my Christian faith if I view yoga as just a workout and not the religious practices that other view it as? Any information would be appreciated. Again, thank you so much. Sincerely, um, Joy. Yeah, Joy. So that's a great question. You know, yoga has been a hotly debated topic in the Catholic Church, I would say over the past maybe 20 years or so, as far as like a lot of different speakers and authors and radio show hosts and podcast hosts discussing it. Some are for yoga, some are against yoga, and uh, and, and it can be confusing at times uh, because uh, we need to be able to make distinctions when talking about yoga, right? What, like, what is yoga? I mean, it is a discipline. It did originate in Hinduism, um, and it does seek to enlighten individuals um, through exercises that that bring the body and the mind and the spirit into enlightenment and union. That that's what the the yoga is all about. Um, and so, in its origins, yeah, yeah yoga is a spirituality. Um, and if you are practicing yoga as a spirituality, right? If you're practicing the spirituality of yoga with the stretches, the church would say you should not do that. Like the church has released a document on the dangers of new age practices and new age spiritualities. So if we're talking about going to a yoga studio and doing all the hums and hums and whatever, like, yeah, that could be problematic. Not could be, that is problematic, all right? So the spirituality of yoga is not acceptable, right, for a Christian, for a Catholic. Um, however, this is where I'm not going to cross over and say something that I don't have the authority to say. So there are books out there by Catholic speakers and by Catholic authors, and there are talks out there by these Catholic individuals who say that one absolutely cannot do the stretches apart from the spirituality. And they say that the stretches in and of themselves um, are postures that even if you don't intend to do the prayers, that you are praying because of the posture. There are some solid Catholics, solid Catholics, um, Orthodox theologians who support these claims. However, there are also a number of solid Catholics and Orthodox theologians who discredit these claims. I know theologians on both sides of the debate. I know theologians who love the church, who are disciples of Jesus Christ, who are Orthodox in their teaching, who are like missionary disciples, yet when it comes to the stretches, they disagree with each other. And I've read the arguments. I've read the arguments for yoga stretching and apart from the spirituality and against yoga stretching apart from the spirituality. And both Catholics make good cases. But guess what? Neither side are speaking dogmatically. The church does not have a teaching on the stretches of yoga apart from the spirituality. So neither side can speak with authority. They can give their theories. They can come up with hypotheses or whatever, but they cannot say the church teaches X, Y, or Z. The only thing the church teaches is that one cannot do the spirituality. One should not do the spirituality. The church does not teach that one cannot do the stretches. I know exorcists. I know exorcists on both sides of the debate. I've walked with exorcists who have said that in their ministry of healing and deliverance, that People who have done the stretches apart from the spirituality have been attacked by the demons that could be associated with other 
religions with other communities um, who who have false practices, right? When it comes to the deity, the divine, the guided, right? And so I also know, I have to say this, I also know exorcists who say that they do yoga stretches and that they've never been oppressed or possessed or attacked by any spirits from doing the stretches. Again, so you have orthodox theologians on both sides of the debate. You have solid exorcists on both sides of the debate who give their experiences and who give their their thoughts that they are coming up with based on their study and their research and their experience. But at the end of the day, I cannot say as a Catholic priest who is a son of the church, I can't say anything that the church doesn't say. The church does not say that one cannot do the postures, the stretches apart from spirituality. Um, so that's a point of, I, mean, I remember in seminary, I had this question from my, my professors. I was like, I'm really struggling with this question about yoga. And he told me, he said, Josh, you're son of the church. He said, you cannot say anything more than what the church has said. And you should not say anything less than what the church has said. Um, and so I, I'm not going to do either. I'm not going to say that you, um, that you can or can't do the stretches apart from the spirituality. I'm going to say you should weigh the research. I'm going to say you should be informed about the experiences of exorcists on both sides of the debate, and you should be informed on the theological um, arguments on both sides of the debate, um, because the the stretches technically are not inherently evil, right? They're just body movements. Just like kneeling down can be a posture of prayer, kneeling down can also be a posture of proposing to somebody's spouse, future spouse one day, kneeling down can be the posture of picking up a napkin when you strapped off the table. Kneeling down can be a posture of somebody who's gardening, right? Kneeling down is just kneeling down. What's your intent when you kneel down? So like, what's your intent whenever you, you do certain stretches? Uh, and so it's, it's not inherently evil, right? Stretching is not inherently evil. Stretching can be good for certain people. Certain stretches might be more helpful than other stretches. And so, uh, yeah, it, it does not necessarily lead somebody to to that which is not good for them. Uh, but again, I think that one should be prudent before doing anything, not just yoga, but before doing anything, before, before entering into any new practice, one should do the research and then make an informed decision by your conscience. After you've read the stories from Father Gabriel Morth and from Father Gary Thomas, after you've listened to theological debates from the people who support these stretches and the people who are against the stretches. So this is where we have to like actually study, right? That, that's what the early church devoted themselves to, was the study of the apostles. So it's really good to devote ourselves to time spent intentionally studying and discerning any practice that we do. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's that's going to be my my discussion on the topic of yoga. If you ask me, do I do yoga? I don't. I don't do the spirituality, and I, and I also don't do the stretches. If you were wondering what, what my personal, like, I, I just don't. I work out quite often now. I do a little bit of CrossFit. Uh, Coach B, shout out to you, um, and my buddy Cam, Cam, my man. Uh, we do CrossFit Light, uh, and then uh, I do some Orange Theory, Right. And then occasionally I do soul core uh, and, and, and soul core is a, is a it's, it's not yoga, but it's a lot of stretches. And it's you pray the rosary, meditate the mysteries, the rosary, why you do a lot of planks and push ups and stretches and whatnot. And so there's a, a lot of different things one could do, a lot of different options. But again, like you take this to your discernment, you take this to prayer, you take this to study and look at the research that's out there and then make an informed decision. And above all, be prudent, be prudent, pray for the grace to be prudent. 
be docile to God and say, like, God, like, I don't ever want to do anything that's going to offend you. I remember one time I was praying with a an Episcopalian priest one time. We were praying together, and uh, we were talking about the Eucharist. And so I invited him to to come to adoration with me, and he came. He came at Eucharistic adoration, exposition of the Blessed Sacrament uh, with me, and and he said the most beautiful prayer right before he um, entered into adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Because remember, Episcopalians, Anglicans have different beliefs about the Blessed Sacrament, the Eucharist, than we do. And so he said, God, if what I'm about to do offends you, I want you to know that I repent. But I also want you to know that the more study I do, the more I've come to believe in the presence, the true presence, the sacramental presence of Jesus Christ here in the, in the Eucharist. And so I'm going to adore you right now. But again, God, if this is not okay, I apologize. And it was such a beautiful posture of humility that he had before he engaged um, in that act of, of adoration and worship. And so and that, that's a, a posture that I, I would encourage everyone to have before we do anything. Uh, God, I, I don't want to offend you. And because I don't want to offend you, I'm going to be serious and take serious my research before I get plugged into anything, before I go to any place. Um, and and it's not my intention to hurt you, God. And so if what I'm doing is not okay, I repent and I apologize. But if it's okay and it's and it's good and true and beautiful, then I'm placing myself into this disposition for whatever it might be. So anyways, that is my response to the hotly debated yoga question. Again, one last thing. We cannot, as sons and daughters of the church, speak before the church or speak after. So we can't say more than the church says. We can't say less. So the only thing that the church clearly says in the document on the New Age movement and uh, some of these spiritualities and practices that are out there is that we cannot engage in the spirituality. Um, that's, that's definitely what the church says. So speaking of demonic stuff and diabolical as some people like to argue about that, uh, I, I want to just go ahead and hop straight into my next question about El Diablo, about the devil, about Satan. Uh, and so this question comes in from D. D, uh, that's, a, that's a great name. That reminds me of um, uh, Debo. <laughs> bye, Felicia. It's so funny. Everybody says bye, Felicia. And I, I hear, I know it's popular to say that, right? Uh uh, and I just wonder, do people know where that where that quote comes from or that saying comes from by Felicia? Let me, I'll give you a clue. It's a day of the week. It's a movie that's named after a day in the week. Uh, so anyways, D writes this. Hey, Father Josh, I'm going to get right to it. Should we forgive and love the devil? God loves and forgives everyone, right? Uh, does that include the devil? And if it does include the devil, does that mean that we should also love and forgive the devil uh, because we are to imitate Christ? My gut feeling is no, uh, and we should just steer clear of the devil entirely and leave it up to God to fight and interact with him. I'm not sure about forgiving the devil for his many temptations and assaults against us, but I'm positive we're not meant to love him, right? I would love to know your view on the matter and if the Catholic Church has any official opinion on this. Thank you so much for any help you can provide. Yes, yeah, so again, like, like I said in the last Question. I'm not going to say more than the church says. I'm not going to say less. So where do I go for my research when it comes to church teaching? Well, the three resources that I want to propose that every Catholic should lean into at some point in their walk toward eternity. Number one is the Bible, the sacred scriptures, the inscribed word of God, uh, the Bible that was given to us by Pope Damascus in the 300s. Um, the Bible is the beautiful letter that God wrote to us. The second 
resource is the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, whether you have the little green version or the big green version or the beige one, whatever, the Catechism is a great resource when it comes to growing in our relationship with God and His Church and understanding what God wants to teach us through His Bride, the Church. And the third resource uh, is a bigger resource than the Catechism. It's it's a volume, it's a set of books that are quite often blue, uh, and it's called the Summa, the Summa of St. Thomas Aquinas. I believe at the Council of Trent, um, whoever the Pope was at that time, uh, sorry, I don't remember my history, but he had on the altar two books, two books during that council, uh, the Bible and the Summa, right? Because St. Thomas, his writings were just that good. They were just that awesome. And so we're going to lean into St. Thomas's Summa, the Catechism, and the Bible to answer your question, D. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, first things first, right? The devil is described in the Bible um, as the the father of lies, right? There is, is no truth in him. He is a murderer from uh, the beginning. Um, and so we have to, like, keep like hold that that truth that the devil like is through his envy that death entered the world the devil is totally opposed to good he's totally opposed to god and the catechism says this it says there's no repentance there's no repentance for the angels after their fall so just as there's no repentance for you and i after we die like we can repent up to the moment of our death we have the option to come back to God up until we die. Once we die, there is no second chance. Like I think sometimes people think purgatory is a second chance. Like there's only two places you go whenever you die, heaven or hell. Purgatory is like the gates of heaven, like the shower that like purifies us because John says in the book of Revelation, nothing unclean can enter into heaven. So if you are going to heaven, if you are saved, then purgatory gives you that nice shower so that you can enter into heaven clean, right? There's only two places, heaven and hell. Purgatory is a shower. There's no second chances whenever we die as human beings. When you die, it's either you're going to be with God for all eternity or you're going to have chosen to separate yourself from God for all eternity. So just as there's no repentance for us after we die, whenever the angels made their choice, they made a choice that was permanent. Their decision was to either stay with God or to leave God for all eternity. There was a finality in the angel's decision to remain with God and sing holy, 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 and or to rebel against God. Their decision that they made is binding. It's final. There's no second chances. Like, And notice the, the language I'm using, the decision they made. Did you catch that? That means that they had free will. Angels, like humans, had free will. Angels have free will, but unlike humans, once they make their choice, angels stick to it. St. Thomas Aquinas, in his Summa, he says this, free will is part of man's dignity, but the angel's dignity surpasses that of men. Therefore, since free will is in men, with much more reason is it in the angels. So, if the angels and, and the demons, right, uh, the demons who are fallen angels, if they have free will, um, do they have free will to to be able to like say, oh, man, that was a that was a mistake. My bad. I'm coming back. I'm coming. Like, turn around. Like, you go to those youth retreats and, and everybody turns around. and It's like drugs, sin, 
lust, fighting, whatever. It's like, and then you make the, you know, the devils are like tempting us, but then like we have a choice to like turn back around to Jesus. Like the devils are, are they like, what about us? Can we please turn around? No, no, they, they can't. See, because as humans, like our will is changeable. Like we are so sometiming, so we change our mind, we change our wills all the time. Like we make one choice and then we turn back. And so like how many times have I, before seminary, before I discerned the priesthood, how many times was I in and out of unhealthy relationships? So many, right? I, I would go I would go in and I would go out and I, would, and I would say, all right, I'm done. I'm not going back. Like, we're done. And then I'll go back. It's like that, remember that old school rap song from Chingy? Every time I try to leave, something keeps pulling me back, me back, telling me I need you in my life. Like, no, oh gosh, it was the worst, the worst. I'll go back. It was like, oh, I don't want to go back, but I went back. And then I'll go back to God and I repent and go to confession. And then I'll go back. Oh man, it was the worst, the absolute worst. But anyways, we are so sometime as human beings, but praise God for like the fact that God is like, you know what? Y'all's intellect isn't as wise as the angels. And so like we get some leeway, but the angels, like they have far greater, um, I would say, I hope this is the right word. This is where theological word. Like I hope I'm making use of the right language here. We need to be precise when we talk about stuff. But like they have a far greater intellect than us, and so whenever they make their choice, like it is final. Unlike us, where sometimes their their choice that they make is is final. They are only like flexible before a choice is made. Like we as humans, our will is flexible like before we make the choice, but also after we make the choice. Uh, angels are flexible before the choice, but once they make the choice, the choice is done. It is final. Um, and so the devil made a choice that is final to be totally opposed to God for all eternity, as did other fallen angels with him, right? A third of the stars fell from the heavens, so we can believe that Potentially, it was a third of the angels left God, made the choice that it was their choice uh, to not worship God. And their choice was final. They made a choice to forever be opposed to God. So, no, we cannot pray for them because it's 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 pointless to pray for for uh, our demons, you know, fallen demons, uh, fallen angels. Uh, But praise God, praise God that uh, we can pray for humans because Jesus Christ, when he came here, 2,000 years ago in the incarnation, he did not become an angel incarnate. He he took on flesh. He took on flesh to die for us, for us and our broken and blessed. Hashtag, you got that broken and blessed, right? Um, for us broken and blessed humans, but not for the demons. So hashtag, sorry, not sorry, Satan. You can't get my prayers. Uh, not today, Satan. Uh, but, 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 but we should also at the same time remember that just because the demons don't need our prayers doesn't mean that we don't need each other's prayers. So we should use our prayers of forgiveness and of intercession for our brothers and sisters in in the body of Christ on earth and the brothers and sisters who are in the body of Christ in purgatory on their way to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, this question reminds me of the old school gospel song. Uh, we fall down, but we get up. We fall down. Oh, yes, we do, but we get up, we fall down, oh, 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 but we get up, for a saint is just a sinner who fell 
down. But guess what we did, y'all? But got up. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, we are going to come back after the commercial and after I sip some more of my coffee and have our final question about free will with the Blessed Mother. My name is Father Mark Toops, author of The Way of the Cross, praying the Psalms with Jesus. Jesus, as an observant Jewish man, would have gone through his days with the Psalms constantly on his lips. And in these new reflections on this ancient tradition, I want to invite you to come even closer to our Lord, to meditate on his heart and to pray as he would have prayed in the moments of his passion. It will fundamentally change the way you experience the stations of the cross. Don't just pray about Jesus, pray with him on the journey to Calvary. To order the way of the cross, praying the Psalms with Jesus, visit Ascension Press. I last question. Did Mary have free will? This comes in from John, which is a great name because John, you took Mary into your home, right? In the gospel, Jesus said, John, you take Mary into your home. And John did that. And so John knew Mary like no other disciple. So John writes this. Hey, Father Josh, I love your podcast. I've been listening for some time. Here's my question. Would it have been a sin to deny the angel Gabriel and not have Jesus. And if it would have been a sin to deny God's plan and Mary was born without sin, did she have no other option than to accept? So would she not have had free will? Thank you and God bless. John, so John, one of the cool things about God is that God never imposes. God never imposes. Like God knows what's best for us. Uh, and God proposes. God invites. But God never forces any one of us. God never forces any of us to do to do it, anything, right? He only invites. So he gives us the free will to say yes or no. So like whenever we think about our vocations, um, if I would have said no to the invitation to discern the priesthood, God would have still called me to be a saint. And God would have allowed me to be a saint through the state of life of marriage or the, or the state of life of like or being a consecrated um, celibate male in religious life or being a consecrated single man, right? God, God, he uh, gives us free will. As, as long as I am following the Ten Commandments, as long as I'm loving God and loving neighbor, God says like, you're free. You're free to say yes to my invitation. You're free to say no. I'm not going to have a pity party if you say yes um, or if you say no, right? To any, like he just invites us. So Mary um, had that free will. She could have said no, certainly, but she wouldn't say no uh, because Mary was totally in line and in love with God. Like she was a woman of profound prayer. She was a woman of the interior life. She abided in relationship with God. She was experiencing, like, like St. Thomas Aquinas talks about, or Gary Goulagrange talks about the purgative and the illuminative and the unitive stage of the spiritual life. Mary at 14 years old was already abiding in the unitive stage of the spiritual life. Yes, she was without sin, but you know, so was Eve and so was Adam. They were all without sin, but they chose to sin. So she could have sinned in her walk toward eternity in a number of different ways, but she chose not to. She was totally in line with the will of God because she was totally focused on God. Everything she thought and felt and did was walking toward her relationship with God. And because she was so in love with God, like any bride, she couldn't wait 
She couldn't wait to be espoused to the Spirit of God, to the Holy Spirit. She couldn't wait to do whatever God wanted to do because um, when we're radically in love, we just will do anything for the lover. Father Pedro Arupe, the former superior of the Jesuits, um, who I got to pray at his grave when I was in Rome a number of years ago, is so powerful. He said, um, fall in love, stay in love, um, and love will decide everything. Uh, love decides everything. Because Mary was so in love with God, uh, she was willing to go anywhere and do anything for him and with him. So uh, she wouldn't have said no. She could have, notice the language, she could have because she, she had free will, but she wouldn't. Like It's, it's one of those questions that's like, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, it's good to ask any question. Every question is good to ask, but like, it's it's it wouldn't have happened. You know, it wouldn't have happened. Like, there's no way she wouldn't have said yes to this journey with God, to this adventure with God uh, that has brought us salvation. Uh, so I don't know if that answered your question well. But, yes, she could have said no. She was free to say no, but she would not. She would not have said no to the love of her life. So, uh, yeah, so that's our show for the day. Uh, speaking of Mary, I like how every single thing I talked about was connected. Like the first question was like, can yoga be uh, diabolical and demonic? And the second question was about the devil and free will. Um, and the third question was about Mary and free will. And, and now the time has come for the closing prayer. And so I'm going to continue like this, like this thread of continuity, this hermeneutic of continuity. And we're going to pray Hail Mary in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Offer the heart of Jesus through the heart of Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, y'all. I can't wait to continue to walk with you toward eternity. I will see you next week. And don't forget the book, Pocket Guide to Adoration. Uh, is available now. You can order at ascensionpress.com and amazon.com as well. Please support the book. Um, I believe it could be a helpful resource for you to grow in your relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. God bless.